can we get these men some milk already? The elimination's over. Why they still got to suffer? Got a red-hot elimination, an amateur porn shoot masked as a daily challenge, some strategic plays starting to seep in, and a whole lot more to discuss. It's the Challenge All-Stars Episode 3 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future that's happening in the Challenge universe, and we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. On today's podcast, we are talking all things Challenge All-Stars, Episode 3, a.k.a. the episode where the game really sets in on the entire cast and strategy starts to move to the forefront. It was an action-packed episode, and as always, we're going to break it all down, first section by section, covering the entire episode. Then we'll hand out some awards, then have a challenge history lesson near the end. That's a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and dive right on in. This episode begins as the last few have. We are picking up right after the elimination that we witnessed in the previous episode. So far, each episode, this one included by the end, has followed the same kind of basic structure of a little time before the challenge, the daily challenge, the deliberation, the elimination. We end on the elimination, so keeping it right on formula and this one will be no different. So we're going to dive in first with everything pre-Daily Challenge, first section of the show. We get back, and yet again, Mark Long has to let Kendall know that you got to kind of celebrate a little bit when you walk back in the door for the cameras, helping out being the producer in the field yet again. Same moment as last week with Latarian. So great job pulling your weight there in the field by Mark Long yet again. The first thing to point out, about this first thing that we kind of uh, get set up as what's going to be a storyline throughout the episode, and that is Nehemiah and Jemmy, and all starts off innocent without any of the romantic flair that comes later on down the line. We find Nehemiah talking to Jemmy alone, letting her know that you know he's never played the political game, and he sees her as a great political strategist within the challenge house and is looking to her to kind of lead him to the promised land. And she is looking to him as a male ally that if she has to run a final with a guy or if she has to partner up in mission, she doesn't really have that male partner yet and wanting to play that good political game is choosing him. So those two's alliance first starts off the episode and overall, you know, on each of their choice in each other, we'll come to the romance part of this a little bit later on, but as far as Nehemiah needing some help on the politics side, Jemmy was definitely the one to reach out to on the female side. We talked in our preview pod and every time we pretty much mentioned Jemmy so far is that, you know, to her acknowledgement herself, she's here to play the political game, to play the social game. And this time around, you know, a little more confident in the physical side of things, but always her, what made her a challenge mainstay, what made her good on these shows wasn't the physical side, it was the political side. So great choice by Nehemiah. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to find a lot to learn from Jemmy. Next thing we got to discuss is a great moment, yet again, outside by the river. This place is beautiful. I hope, I mean, I don't know what next time I'm going to get to Argentina, but 
you know, I hope this place is an Airbnb that's rentable or something. I want to go stay at this cabin they're at. It's such beautiful scenery. And we get Beth and Cyrus hanging outside, talking over everyone's nickname. Cyrus has a nickname for everyone, running through the list, making sure he remembers them all. And then we get a nice little moment of Beth and Jemmy's relationship being explained to us a little bit that Beth looks at Jemmy as that daughter figure, that 2.0. In fact, she compares her to she's the Madonna to Jemmy's Britney Spears, which interesting and pretty apt comparison, I guess. But I I never thought of it while all the years of watching Jemmy on the show, but she is kind of the rightful kind of Beth 2.0 a little bit, uh, a little more liked than Beth. But the thing about Beth back in the day was that was always weird was while she was always kind of fighting with someone, she was always getting you know, thrown into eliminations or threatened to throw into eliminations. She was that original kind of heel character. Everyone did like her outside of the show, and even those on the show that weren't fighting with her liked her, liked having her around. She has, and clearly all these years later, has good relationships with these people coming back into All-Stars. It seems like, you know, she's one of the favorites amongst everyone in the house just as far as people they're looking forward to seeing again, talking to, hanging out with again. Um, So that heel, you know, moniker and... uh, kind of everything, the way she was edited back then was mostly truthful. There were obviously very clearly people she did not get along with and they let each other know it. Um, Most famously, of course, being Tina and the punch heard around the world. But um, I never really realized that Jemmy was the rightful kind of Beth 2.0 all that time, that not as much a threat on the physical front, though, if challenged, could bring it, could get a win here or there, could surprise you a little bit, but it was really that political player, that social player that controlled the house dynamic. For better or worse, kind of everything in the house socially would run through them. So it makes perfect sense. Love that relationship. Love that whole father-daughter, or excuse me, mother-daughter. I already started thinking of a Jemmy quote from later in the episode where we find out if Beth's her mom, she looks at Mark as her dad. So we'll more on that during the daily challenge, but perfect sense. Love that combo. And they were really, while it was a male elimination episode, we know that going in, they were really setting up. Jemmy is kind of the featured player here within this episode or one of them. The other featured player of the episode was then right after that, we get a moment with tech uh, and God bless tech getting naked, hopping in the river, stream, uh, small pond, whatever, you know, body of water that they've got going on outside their house, which um, par for the course for Tech. Um, if you remember back to his real-world Hawaii season, um, and I can't quite remember his one challenge season if he was, you know, taking the clothes off all that often, but definitely on the, his uh, real-world season, he was known for hanging out naked often. Uh, he and Ruthie both a little bit of that, but he gets naked at first to potentially go try to grab a fish out of the water, um, mostly just to get in the water and enjoy, which by all means, I mean, if there's any place to go skinny dip and relax, this place is it. It is so beautiful, such an awesome stream, a funny and entertaining moment from tech, but also kind of that establishing shot that in the moment you're like, I don't know why exactly they're showing us this other than, you know, it is entertaining, but as far as it doesn't really relate to the game at all, he's kind of having a conversation with Big Easy, not really. Um, but so these kind of moments, while they're entertaining, they definitely perk your senses that tech may be involved in whatever storylines. And this is their way of kind of starting to weave him in early in the episode. So kind of lets you know that on a male elimination day starts getting you thinking early that tech is going to be involved somehow or another in everything to go down later on. The final thing before we move to that daily challenge is that we get 
uh, moment between Ruthie and Arissa uh, that starts to kind of lay the groundwork for where the alliances are in the house. Up till this point, we haven't really seen any strong alliances, a couple individual, you know, people that are besties with other people that were either on their seasons of the challenge or on their seasons of real world or road rules that we know there's a couple tight ones, but overall it seemed like so far, you know, the nomination process, each episode has been very easy, uh, an obvious person going in. Um, and this is the first time we start to see some of those divides in the house, Ruthie and Arissa hanging out outside, talking and kind of bonding over their mutual, um, They're mutually being on the outskirts from the other larger group of ladies, kind of the house at large, but especially they kind of single out within the group of ladies. They are uh, kind of the two people that are outcast a little bit from that group, not in as tight and that they see that, you know, as a bit of a target for them to overcome, but also, you know, coming together themselves to realize, you know, if we're both on the outside, we should be working together here. So that little bit of that strategy starts to keep seep in. We start to see some of the dividing lines in the house between people. Now, we'll move from there on to the next section of the show. Then we get to the Daily Challenge. And the Daily Challenge is called Melt Away. We've seen it once before. And we've seen other versions without maybe the ice block itself. But the this specific version of Melt Away, we saw 17 years ago in 2004. Um, so it's been a while, but again, we've seen other versions where teams of this time four have to take two large blocks of ice and using only their bodies and spit and pee and anything else they can come up with, melt these blocks of ice, get some shields out of it. Those shields have challenge season names on it. Then they got to put eight shields in order chronologically by season. And I'm here to say, this is what we want. This is what the OG challenge fans had been dying to see. Not, you know, this this particular, very specific uh, daily challenge among them, but just this concept, this idea. Things used to be a little more silly, a little more fun, um, uh, a little bit more wild and crazy, and not so much just physical, athletic, all of that, what the game has become and that, that balance between those two things used to be much more on that silly side of things and is kind of tilted slowly, but surely over 37 seasons and counting 36 seasons, excuse me, and counting, um, towards the more serious physical athletic side. So coming into the season, we were very much hopeful that this is the type of stuff we might get to see, bringing all the OGs in, the all-stars trying to take it back, play that nostalgia and it totally works in this one. This challenge is absolutely hilarious for many reasons. First off, we got just the fact that as Anissa so eloquently puts it, we're basically watching amateur porn in in action here. That is the obvious reason for them to have to melt these blocks is just that it's going to be hilarious that they're going to have to dance on it. They're going to have to slide their bodies all up and down it. They're going to have to lay on top of each other, move each other around, all kinds of silly and fun stuff. You know what? Let's just go ahead and let Anissa explain so eloquently what exactly they're all doing. I'm no stranger to humping. I'm no stranger to riding, no stranger to being wet. Just sounds like a little bit of amateur porn to me. And that is not the only quote of the week nominee that comes from this segment of the Daily Challenge. The other great part about these challenges being as fun and entertaining and silly as they are is that it gives 
the opportunity for these cast members in the interview to show off some of their charm, some of their wit, some of their funny. Anissa, with that quote we just listened to, definitely doing that. And then Cyrus throws in one of his own, also a quote of the week nominee here. That one is. People are volunteering their bodily fluids. Yeah. Little spit. Maybe just all pay. Kind of nasty. Yeah. But you do anything to win 500K. And it should be pointed out that, yes, he mentions maybe even a little pee because someone, a.k.a. Terrell, actually does, well, we can't quite see it. He does appear to pull the drawers down and maybe pee on the corner of his ice block, which is disgusting. Um, but, you know, whatever you got to do. And uh, to the next point about this challenge that, you know, might have been gross what he was doing, but they had to try everything because... Unfortunately, the other hilarious part about this entire challenge was that the ice doesn't melt. It uh, gets kind of cloudy. I don't know if the producers planned on that. So cloudy, in fact, that Arissa stops midway through to call on the spirits to bring out the sun. And her entire team just watches her doing this and kind of laughs it off. But then she just kind of stands there with her hands in the air for a good while while they're still all working, which, you know, is fine. Um, and I don't know if it was just edited to look like it, but it kind of worked. The sun came out for a little moment, but even if it was going to work, it was going to help everyone. So I don't really know what her strategy there was, but the ice, she needed to do something. Everyone needed to do something. Darrell needed to pee, whatever, because that ice wasn't melting to the point that many minutes in when no one was making any progress, TJ um, and one of the very rare times I can remember, I think it's happened a time or two, but has to pause the daily challenge. And whether it was planned or not, I mean, they had the hammers there ready to go. So I think it was planned no matter what, but um, pause the daily challenge, give every team a hammer so that they could actually get this challenge done without taking days on end and send them back to work. They, you know, hammer everything out that immediately makes things snap and go a lot, lot quicker. They hammer the ice, get the shields out. Mostly all, I mean, it was relatively competitive. Everyone doing it in mostly similar amount of time. It then really came down to if you did, could not break any of your shields while chipping them out with your hammer. And did you know the order in the chronological challenge seasons, which we just have to say at this point, if you're coming on the challenge, there's a few things you have to do to prepare. If you're taking it serious, if you're someone who wants to come on and win, you've got to know a few things that are going to pop up no matter what and that you need to be practicing or training for or this, that, and the other. And, you know, it baffles us to this day that some people don't do these. You know, not everyone, even the people that are on these show regularly, if they're not on it, a lot of times they're not actually watching. They're not paying all that much attention. They just kind of show up and do it. But, among those things, you know, there's tangram puzzles, definite all-timer. If you don't know how to do tangrams, if you're not practicing tangrams in the off-season, then you're not taking the challenge as seriously as you should. Same thing with swimming and kayaking. You know, if you're going to be in a final these days, you're probably going to have to do both of those things. You should have some idea how to swim and how to paddle. And one of the knowledge things you've got to know that showed up here is you need to learn the challenge seasons. It shows up 
almost every season now, whether it's in trivia, whether it's a part of a daily challenge, they almost always work it in at this point that you've got to have some idea of the names and order of all of the challenge seasons. It shows up here and it pays off big for those who have studied it, which we find out Jemmy is chief among them that, you know, it says right out exactly what we just said. We know we need to know this. I wrote them all down. I study them. I can name them one through 36 like that. She nails it as do a few other people and get to the end of the challenge. And we think that the gold team has possibly won. They finished first, but they have a couple chipped shields. And in our second episode in a row, TJ, his fake outs are getting really good. He's starting to get people, you know, last season or in the season of double agents in the last few seasons of the regular show before that, he's been trying a bunch of these fake outs. They're not always working this season of all stars. I don't know if it's just the the age of the competitors or what, but he's really tricking some people with the complete fake out, letting the gold team know at first, thinking they won. They start to celebrate and then lets them know bad news. You broke too many things. Your time penalties actually move you to second. And so we get Darrell, Kendall, Cyrus, and Kellyanne taking the W. Darrell now safe from elimination. Kendall with the lifesaver. Overall, Awesome, awesome challenge. A lot of fun to watch. Awesome quotes coming out of it. And love seeing yet again here. We're the challenge historian. We always like seeing any challenge history incorporated, especially on a season like this, where we were hoping coming in that there would be a lot of historical knowledge and things, um, you know, referenced, if not straight up used within the games last week on trivia was all challenge trivia this week in the daily challenge. They've got to know the order of the season. So we personally here love seeing that final thing on the daily challenge front though. So Nehemiah's team, he's the team captain of the losing team. He's going straight into elimination and immediately after the daily challenge tech starts to kind of talk some shit. He, and I'm not sure if there's something we didn't see on screen, if they just edited it out or what, but tech starts popping off, talking some shit to kind of at Nehemiah, more so at the losing team, but knowing that Nehemiah is the losing male captain of that team and is going into elimination. And it seems very fun. It seems very kind of jovial and just good nature. And it's all hilarious. And as far as talking shit goes, uh, tech's good at it. Um, so it's entertaining and fun, but very unclear whether, you know, do Nehemiah and tech off screen or even off show, either not like each other, have some beef that we don't know about, or do they actually like each other? And maybe tech thought he was kind of having fun with a friend or was this shit talking just totally random. It was a little bit confusing when it happened. And again, one of those where I just don't know, you know, did they edit something out that would have given this a little more clarity or context, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, tech is hilarious. Um, and, you know, while I don't know why he did it, I'm glad he did it. So that's the daily challenge. We'll then move into section three of the show, moving from the daily challenge into post challenge at the deliberation. And with the deliberation, first thing to point out for the second episode in a row, and this time completely individually, not within a group, it is Mark that is the one Nehemiah goes to talk to about who to nominate. And this time it's not even just to tell Mark, Hey, when you get to deliberation, tell them, this is who I want. It's actually to talk it out, talk strategy. He doesn't go to Jemmy who he's just made this alliance with. He doesn't go to 
you know, Beth, who he has a past history and friendship with. He doesn't go to anyone else in the house. He goes just to Mark himself by themselves in a room, talks it out. Mark kind of talks him into tech a little bit. Um, you know, tech is because of the shit he just talked at the elimination has put this target on his back a little. Nehemiah, you know, references that Mark says, obviously that's the easy choice now that he did that and kind of convinces him. Yeah. Well, you don't need to talk about anyone else. That's who you want to go against. Right. And just another example, uh, it just seems like he's running this game. Spoiler alert for our power rankings at the end. He's not moving anywhere from the top spot until someone starts to mention how big of a threat and how obviously obvious it is that he's completely in charge. He's completely in his element. And everyone there is, you know, looks to him as the one running this game, which normally is not the great place to be. Normally, you know, in regular season, the challenge would be, um, you know, for many years, it's been a Johnny Bananas or a Wes or, you know, recently like on War of the Worlds 2, Kara and Polly together. Or there's always kind of that one person who kind of grabs the house and double agents. You know, it was Cam and Leroy and Casey and kind of the big brother slash Cam Leroy alliance. You know, there's always like one or two people that are running the game very clearly, obviously being outspoken about it. And that's not always a good position because it usually puts a target on your back. Sometime by midseason, they, you know, people start coming for you because of that. And this one, it's much more, well, it's not under the radar. It seems like everyone is very aware, but it's everyone's very agreeable and amenable to, you know, Mark brought us here. So, uh, you know, he, he's the godfather of the challenge. Everything runs through Mark and we're all okay with that. Um, so just another thing to keep an eye on if and when that changes or if he's going to just, you know, be in charge of the whole season and get all the way to the end off of that. Now, Tech knows he's about to get called out, so when they get to their deliberation, he decides to just go ahead and nominate himself so that they can all go eat and rest up because they are tired. And clearly, after last week, we kind of got a peek at what the schedule is like with the whole Trishel getting mad at Katie for getting food right after deliberation instead of coming to talk to her. And clearly by text quote here, uh, the way the schedule, very rigid schedule of theirs works is they do a challenge. They come back and are immediately told, get the deliberation done. And when it's done, we'll bring the food in. So these guys are all wanting to get to the food as fast as they can. Tech steps up, says no discussion needed. I'll go into elimination and he handles it very gracefully even given us a nominee for the quote of the week. Here is Tech on his thoughts about going into elimination. I'm not at a funeral. I'm not about to die. I'm just going to go into the arena and play a game. Nehemiah called me out, plain and simple. That's how a fucking man does that. Now, coming out of this, though, the one thing, two things that need to be mentioned about Tech nominating himself. There was two different uh, interview opinions given on what Tech did, and both of them are worth commenting on. First off, Jemmy with the absolutely proper response comes out and says, why does anyone ever do this? She thinks it's the dumbest thing possible that you don't need to nominate yourself. No matter what, even if every person is planning on voting for you, make them say your name, make them put it on record. And this is perfect strategy from someone who, as we've talked about already through this episode and they're going to continue to is playing that political social game so well. This is the smart strategy. This is what 
you know, I'm right there with Jemmy. This infuriates me every single time. Don't ever, ever, ever nominate yourself for elimination. One, even if it's the smallest chance possible, you never know what can happen in a deliberation room. You never know who can either get confused about a plan, who, you know, could say the wrong thing and suddenly their name's going to get on blast and they might grab some votes away from you. Even if you know that it's no matter what, 100%, you are going in, may, as Jemmy says, make the people say your name. Put it on record. Don't just let them off the hook. Let them be able to come back later on and be like, oh, I, I didn't even want to vote for you. I mean, you nominated yourself. I didn't vote for you. I, didn't, I wasn't a part of that. You just did that. Make them say your name. Make them put it on record. Jemmy, with the correct response to this, the incorrect response in the interview is Derek, who says that Tech nominating himself in the way which he did it might be the most legendary move ever in challenge history and that he knows a bunch of people have thrown themselves and nominated themselves before that this might be the best one ever. And all I got to say to that is, Derek, calm down, buddy. Uh, (laughs) We know we're on All-Stars. We're talking, you know, there's some of that best of the best goat talk, all this, that, and the other. We want to hyperbolize as much as we can to sell, keep selling the show and selling the show. And he has done a great job, especially outside of the show to sell this show, make it the big success that it has already been. But let's calm down on that one, Derek. It wasn't that legendary. I mean, for, um, for context, the one that immediately comes to mind that is definitely more legendary, even in losing fashion is Jordan on free agents, just talking shit to Johnny bananas the whole season, demanding that he gets to go against him. And no one, can help him make it happen, walking down and flipping every single kill card, which was against the rules, but he just does it, throws himself in against Johnny Bananas, the greatest of all time as a second season player and gets beat by him. But even that, you know, uh, without even having to think of other times nominating themselves, that one was certainly a much more legendary and memorable moment than Tex, albeit entertaining, um, but just short little speech, let's go all eat now um, kind of thing. So thoughts on that. Then we move from the deliberation, they get some food, and we find out that the whole time, without having seen it yet, that they've got a COVID bubble bar, just like on Double Agents and just mostly like on Total Madness. They've got their own little bar. They're clearly not allowed to leave the property and go out into public spaces because they are filming this during the pandemic and following all the COVID protocols. So wasn't sure, thought just based off the first uh, you know, big cocktail hour we've already seen that everything was just going to be in the house. They didn't have something like this, but they actually got a really nice bubble bar set up way better than the double agents one for sure. Much more spacious. It's open air, it seems like. Um, and they're actually drinking. They actually have alcohol available, as which we weren't always sure was available on double agents or even total madness. So much better bubble bar. Very cool place. I would love to go have a beverage. But this bubble bar experience cocktail hour turns much more strategic than it does social. And Jemmy really steps things up. We see her scheming behind the scenes, pulling Nehemiah even closer, talking to other members, clearly trying to uh, kind of push herself in there as the one that is running this game. And it kind of seems like she is, other than Mark, maybe on the female side of things. It seems like things are running through Jemmy. She's the one definitely thinking the most strategy, thinking the most political. And she's starting to rope in people into her alliance and you know push them in the direction she wants them to go. In the moment in the bubble bar, Kendall, who has the lifesaver, is making an attempt at 
using that power, but maybe is a little too drunk to actually do it effectively. She mostly just goes around and gets very uncomfortably close to each and every guy and asks them more or less if they want, if she should use the lifesaver, what would happen if they if she uses it. They don't know who she would pick, how much fun she's having having this power, how much not fun she's having having this power. It's a hilarious performance by her. Then other note worth pointing out, is we finally get to the Jemmy Nehemiah romance, moving up from not just the political strategy alliance, but moving into full-on romance territory, at least from Nehemiah's standpoint, kind of seems like that. Nothing too serious, but admits, you know, while they're at challenge war, it's nice to have someone to a soft touch, as he says, to go to between battles within that war. Jemmy, much more straightforward, while she very much enjoys having a quote-unquote challenge boyfriend, is doing so as much for the nice cuddles at night as she is for the alliance building. So cutthroat move by her. But this was a season where I didn't, you know, given the age and the fact a lot of these people are married or even have children, um, you know, the romance has slowly but surely died out a little bit of even the main shows as the main shows skew a tiny bit older, a tiny bit less single population and just more game focused. And the last couple seasons, you know, being in the COVID protocols, not being able to go out at the bars, not as much drinking cocktail hours, all that. The romance has died out a little bit. And on uh, this season, just given everyone's age and relationship status and all that, I really didn't know that we, if we'd get anything at all. Um, but here we are, three episodes in, and we're already uh, we're getting a little cuddle session. We're getting a couple people sleeping in the same twin bed. So um, great to see. Add something to the show for sure. We'll see how it pans out for both of them. Final thing of the deliberation before we move to the elimination round itself is we get a Ruthie versus Nisa little war of words slash, um, you know, it wasn't even, it wasn't much of a war of words, an exchange of words, if you will, but that Anissa 100% starts, depending on the edit, we kind of pick up right as Ruthie's overhearing Anissa outside talking about the scared game Ruthie plays and how paranoid she is, which, you know, not cool to just be sitting around the campfire talking about that. Um, Ruthie comes out very upset, flashbacks to Duel 2 where those two didn't necessarily 100% get along and when they did it was very fake kind of you know not so much lying backstabbing but pretty close to lying and backstabbing from Anissa's standpoint um but she calls out Ruthie in this instance Ruthie overhears it comes outside and love Ruthie's energy in this scene instead of uh, you know, Anissa, once Ruthie says something, Anissa kind of backs off, doesn't want to get into a big shouting match. She wants to just keep on powwowing with her girlfriends that are hanging out there. So Ruthie just perfectly loved every second of it, decides to just pace around the yard a slight distance away, and just every once in a while throwing in a fuck you, fuck you, just over and over here and there as she paces just far enough away to not be a part of the conversation, but close enough that they have to keep paying attention to the fact that she's there and yelling obscenities at them. Thought that was awesome. Eventually, all the girls go inside. Janae is there to try to calm Ruthie down a little bit. And shout out to Janae, who I assume is a fantastic mother and has those motherly uh, skills on display here as Ruthie is venting and venting. And the whole time, Janae just stands there and doesn't say a single word back, but instead just holds out her arms and t until Ruthie finally reluctantly comes over, 
gives her a hug, tells her it'll be okay. Um, just great motherly moment uh, for Jeanne helping out Ruthie in that moment. Love to see it. And with that, that takes us out of the deliberation segment. We then will move to our final section of the show, which is the elimination round. And this, as they walk in, we see a bit of a contraption in the middle, and we realize this is going to be the first elimination or daily challenge of this entire season that isn't necessarily a classic challenge game being brought back. We've seen things somewhat similar to this where you have to punch out pieces and whatnot, but not we've never seen this actual game that we're getting to see. It's called Going Out of Tile. The uh, TJ explains each person, Nehemiah and Tech, have to climb the structure smash out all of the different tiles that are their color and then race back to the starting point first to do it wins. But a big, big but. And actually, let me back up. We do get the small drama of after Kendall at the, you know, at the uh, cocktail hour, the bubble bar, talks all the guys into a little bit of anxiety whether or not she's going to use that lifesaver when we get to the moment she anticlimatically decides not to use it, even though there was a chance there was some discussions between Jemmy, Nehemiah, and Kendall whether they should throw Big Easy in. Which honestly, if I'm Nehemiah, when I see the the game in front of me, while I don't exactly know what it is, it seems it seems clear you're going to have to climb on the contraption as you walk in. So I would have thought maybe he would have given the nod to Kendall and said, "Hey, maybe we get Big Easy down here. It seems like it's climbing based. I'm going to have a better chance for him than Tech." But he sticks with Tech. Kendall sticks with Tech. We get Tech versus Nehemiah, and we get a big-time twist and a cruel twist at that from TJ as right as he's about to blow the horn. The game's been explained. The players are ready. They both say they're good to go. TJ holds the horn up and says, are you ready? And then pauses and puts on a black latex glove very menacingly. we get a hilarious moment where they're asked, are we going to have to bend over for you, TJ? And he laughs it off, says, no, please, no one bend over. Not doing that. Pulls out a bag that at first we don't know what it is. Someone on the day has asked if it's bugs. It honestly kind of looks like a sack of drugs of some sort. Like these dudes about to have to take mushrooms and then climb on over this thing. Who knows what it is? TJ explains they are Carolina peppers, the hottest peppers in the world, which I feel like every time hot peppers show up on game shows like a Fear Factor or Challenge or anything, it they always say a, whatever pepper it is is the hottest pepper in the world. So I'm going to need to look up what the actual rankings, if there are an official rankings or if there's you know categories of pepper that each one have their own hottest in the world. Seems like there's a lot of hottest peppers in the world. But he announces they have to eat two of these hottest peppers in the world that are very tiny but incredibly hot and brutal peppers before they start their mission. And honestly, the whole thing is just kind of cruel. I don't. It doesn't add much to the challenge itself, other than you know we get to kind of laugh at their pain, um, which they are clearly in the whole time. Um, so, but you know, visually, it doesn't really add much. It, you know. I guess they both do it. So it is a part of like, are you willing to do this? And eating has always been a thing that's brought into the challenge. This is a little spin on the regular, just eating gross stuff instead eating incredibly hot stuff that is incredibly uncomfortable and then do this challenge. So it adds a little, I don't know if it adds a lot. It felt a little mean TJ, of course, his only commentary on them is they're totally doable. (laughs) Doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. They are totally doable. 
Um, as far as how hot these actual peppers are, let's go ahead and let Tech in a quote of the week nominee tell you exactly how hot these peppers have him feeling. These peppers are hotter than July. I mean, my lips burning, my tongue's burning, my throat's burning, my nose is burning, my eyes are burning, my booty hole's burning because it knows what's going to come. <laughs> Hilarious from Tech, as usual, and I don't even know if that does it justice. I mean, from the way these guys are gagging, from the immense sweat that they're having, the fact they can't stand still, which is always a, such an indicator of how uncomfortable you are when these guys, they literally can't stand still. They don't know to bend over, to bounce back and forth on their feet, to move their mouth, to open their mouth, to close their mouth. They can't figure it out. They can't get comfortable. Um, but thankfully, they both get them down, so they both get to compete. And the moment TJ then blows the real horn to start the real game, an unbelievable sequence as he asks are you both ready they both say yes they're both bent over they've been spitting left and right tj blows the horn and the second he blows the horn tech literally throws up and stumbles out of the gate which eventually would kind of cost him it's a very competitive match the whole way through he has that stumble at the start him and nehemiah take different sides start punching things out they're moving quick very difficult to tell um who's in the lead very difficult to tell if there's any rules about, you know, as they punch the pieces, some of the pieces come all the way out, some of the pieces just a little bit. Um, pretty unclear on the rules, per usual, <laughs> with a lot of stuff challenge-related, but it's extremely close. They both do an awesome job. They manage to, when they get to the top of the contraption, are hanging by one or two hands, hitting each other, bouncing off each other, manage to both stay up. It's a photo finish as... Well, it could have been not a photo finish, but Nehemiah runs out of the contraption once, stops, turns around to come back in and punches what looks to be a, a square he had already punched. So I don't know if he was also confused about the rules and maybe just double checking, but then runs out, beats Tech to the spot by about a second, but a very, very close race. And again, honestly, the, the throw up stumble out the gate that Tech got stuck with kind of comes back to bite him in the end is really the second that he loses by is that second that he loses with that throw up immediately at the stop the start so a tough loss for tech but a great showing by both he and nehemiah both flying through this i mean they got through it as fast as any of the guys up there probably would have not named alton who it's climbing related so uh he would have been the heavy favorite if he would have been down in there but great performance by both we lose tech which means we lose you know, one of the best interviews we've got. We lose a lot of entertainment value from the show, not having Tech around to give his quotes, to do his dancing, to get naked and go swimming. Everything Tech brings to the table. We talked about in the preview pod, it was a bummer that he only was ever on one season of the challenge because he brings so much entertainment value and he's such a good time to have around and such just a clearly good and fun dude. So a bummer to see him go out this early on All-Stars. Hopefully, if there are more seasons of all-star in the future. I think he's definitely more than earned his chance to come back on there just from a production side alone of having him around to be a part of the interviews because he gives great stuff every single time, as does this season, Nehemiah bringing it as well. Um, bringing a couple quotes here right at the end, post-win, that we will save for the best quote nominees and debate in a little bit here but final thoughts on the elimination overall good elimination i mean very very competitive that was good to see still haven't seen the um the lifesaver get used i think you know we're three times in now at some point someone's gonna get 
they're just going to have to use it just because I think, you know, more or less someone on the production side might just tell them like, Hey, we need someone to use it. We got to, this is the only, there's no twists coming. Go ahead. This is the only thing we got. Someone's got to figure out what it is. And I think they're all getting an, enough fed up with what happens if we use it, that it's going to get used in one of the next episodes. So we'll see how that goes. Good elimination kind of feel a little bummed out that we didn't get a classic challenge elimination. Um, but again, the first one daily challenge or elimination that we didn't get one of those classic challenges. So we'll see if uh, they get back to just having those in future episodes or not, if they are going to mix in a couple variations or brand new games in general, but overall solid elimination, great competitively Nehemiah gets the win and starts to establish himself as one of the men to be taken serious on that side of the game. So that's our breakdown of everything that has happened in the show. And with that, we'll then transition in to our award section of the pod. Let's talk awards. First off, quote of the week. We have heard a handful of the nominees already. Recapping those early in it during the daily challenge, we get two of what honestly there could have been. There's four or five uh, quotes that could have been nominated. Basically, every interview during the daily challenge was gold. But Anissa's quote uh, about feeling like she was on an amateur porn shoot, Cyrus's quote about doing anything, including maybe peeing on it to win. Both of those are nominees that we heard early on. We had Tech nominating himself in that quote we played for you earlier from him. We also had Tech with his explanation of how hot the peppers were. That was our fourth nominee for the quote of the week. And the two other nominees that you haven't heard yet both come from Nehemiah. One of them immediately post-elimination uh, win, explaining just how hot those peppers were and how much they affected him affected him during that elimination. Go ahead and take it away, Nehemiah. You do not understand how hot these things are. I got boogers and stuff coming out of this situation. I don't even know if I'm still sexy or not. And I'm willing to do anything to make sure that I win that $500,000. I don't want to be the judge of who is and isn't sexy, but I mean, when you when you got the boogers coming, flying out of the nose every which direction, you can't stop spitting and sneezing. You, you definitely lose a little bit on the sexiness front, but he'll get cleaned up. It'll come back. The other quote also from Nehemiah, that is our sixth and final contender for the quote of the week is at the very end, post-elimination, uh, again, a little bit later on, possibly in a second kind of uh, post-elimination interview, if you will, Nehemiah explains something that I just found I so much appreciated hearing from him as we talked a lot about on the preview podcast and we've actually mentioned on a couple of the first uh episode recaps of this season is how much they were going to lean into the whole best of the best goat these are all legends this that and the other versus just that these are ogs these are fan favorites these are all stars of the challenge and they had kind of been leading heavier towards that you know, best of all time, who's going to be the best? You got to be the best to beat the best. Everyone here is a challenge legend. And it was very refreshing to hear from a player perspective, Nehemiah say, I know I'm not a legend, but I want to be. And so go ahead, take it away, Nehemiah, with that legend status quote. Looking around, 
I actually feel like a lot of these people are true legends. And I feel like tonight was just my step closer to put myself into the actual title because being a legend is not something that you're given. I feel like it's something that you actually need to earn. Very self-aware, very appreciated from Nehemiah and definitely a step closer for him. Always been a good competitor. He does have that challenge championship, which isn't something uh, a lot of the people here on this season, All-Stars could say, but definitely a win here over, especially depending who he would go against in a finals. If he made a finals and were to take home, the championship would go a long way in establishing him as one of those true legends. Because I agree. I look at him as definitely an all-star, an OG worth being here as a character I remember from the show and, you know, provided a lot to the show when he was on it. But I wouldn't coming in have referred to him as a challenge legend. So love hearing him, you know, be self-aware enough to say, I'm trying to earn that. That's why I'm here and just love seeing the show in general, um, taking more of that approach that these are all stars, OGs, and not necessarily all challenge legends. They might be people that are still trying to prove or wanting to be more than just an iconic character, but an iconic player and competitor on the challenge. So those, your six quotes, I got to say, as good as they all are, especially as good as some of the elimination uh, pepper-related commentary was, nothing's going to beat anything that comes that came out of the daily challenge. It was just too good of content, led to too many great quotes, and we are going to give the quote of the week win to Anissa. We played it earlier on, but we'll play it one more time. The winning quote of the week. Take it away, Anissa. I am no stranger to humping. I'm no stranger to riding. No stranger to being wet. Just sounds like a little bit of amateur porn to me. Moving on from the best quote to MVP of the episode, we've got three nominees. Tech, first off, has to be nominated on this episode. Brings the entertainment, brings the laughs, brings the joy and the cheer um, in a lot of ways, from the skinny dipping in the river to the talking shit that was awesome after the challenge is over to just this general vibe and being at the cocktail hour, especially having someone, uh, Kendall, come up to him to try to explain, like, should I save you or not? And his response basically being, I'm kind of having a good time right now. We can talk about this later. Love that. Um, eventually, you know, is obviously one of the stars of this episode. The storyline focuses around, but he does take that L at the end. And so nominated for MVP, not going to quite get that win on his way out. The other nominee that isn't going to quite get it done, but worth discussion or worth pointing out is Nehemiah does get the elimination win. Obviously he was there because he got last place on the actual daily challenge, which wasn't all on him by any means, but uh, main fixture of this episode. He was kind of the forefront of this episode along with our MVP winner who we're going to discuss in a moment, but a great win for him, an establishing moment for him to kind of move on par with some of these other guys that are there, the, the true challenge legends, the Darrell, Derek, Mark, um, Altons of the world here that he's got to go up against, kind of putting his uh, mark on this game early that he is to be reckoned with along with those people. So candidate, yes, doesn't get quite get the win. The MVP of the episode goes to no one else but Jemmy. Jemmy dominates this episode without, you know, on a male elimination day, a male elimination daily challenge. Female comes in and still dominates the episode, dominates the storylines, 
is great in the interviews throughout and is clearly the one thinking strategy, thinking political, thinking long-term within this game. And she is clearly there to win and taking it serious on a level that a lot of the other competitors don't seem to be quite on as of yet or having a little more fun with being there where she's there on a mission. We get her kicking off a romance slash alliance slash mentorship with Nehemiah. We see her clearly running the strategy for multiple other people during the cocktail hour, kind of running things from behind the scenes, telling Kendall who, what she should be doing, how she should be using the power that she has. She gives some of the best quotes that we didn't even get to put in the best quote nominations throughout the episode. A lot of stuff, a lot of value being brought from Jemmy and just the control she seemed to seize over the game in this episode makes her the MVP of the episode. Who I would remember most coming out of this is the control she seized over the house and kind of the spotlight she put on herself to, as similar to Nehemiah, to kind of step her game up and start to earn that legendary status that maybe she doesn't have as much as a few of the other Uh, female competitors or competitors in general on the show starting to establish herself as the one to be reckoned with. And with that, Jemmy, MVP of the episode, we'll move right into our power rankings where she, Jemmy, will be making another appearance. But we'll start with the men this week on the power ranking side and making some predictions moving forward. We're going to yet again keep it a men's power rankings, a women's power rankings until we get a little closer and a little more clarity on how the final is going to turn into an individual game or when the game does flip into a purely individual um, thing, we might combine them. But at this time, we're looking at ranking who has the best shot of making the final and winning the final, a combination of the two. So on the men's side, nothing changes from the past week. As good a performance as Nehemiah put forward, he doesn't crack my top three. We've got Mark Long in first, Still seems to be running the game. It seems like everyone is gracious to him, is you know happy that he brought them there, and that they're kind of all, as much as they try to keep him in the background, he's definitely been kind of in the background from an interview and uh, you know uh, screen time perspective. Uh, it seems like that might be a little purposeful to make sure he isn't just the center of the universe of this whole show, but as far as the cast is considered, it does seem like Mark is the center of this universe for them, and that gives him an immense amount of power, not to mention that physically he, you know, I put him up against any of these other guys in any type of physical elimination. He is pretty solid at puzzles, so on that front, mentally, I think, you know, I'd put him up with just about anyone. So he's top. Darrell still in second. Alton still in third both because of the physical stuff and with Darrell again, just yet again on this episode, while he wasn't featured all that much, he just seems like he's the most comfortable person there, which is obviously because, you know, he's been on these seasons and this one is more of a laid back season for him, even though, uh, and because of that, he's able to, you know, be comfortable, be confident. He's still second. Alton just off sheer athleticism, still third on the women's side. We have a change up in the power rankings. We have moved Anissa all the way up to the top spot. Another episode where I just feel just so confident, guaranteed that Anissa is making this final. I don't think anyone wants to see her in an elimination. Um, And whether if she ends up in one or not, I think she's going to win any elimination that they put forward. 
pretty much against anyone that she could possibly face. I think she's almost a shoe-in to make the final. And again, we'll say it over and over until it happens, but who knows if she has a chance to actually win it. The endurance is what's bitter in the butt in previous seasons, but she's the top of the power rankings just off of, I just feel like it's foregone conclusion. She's making it into the finals. The producers might even help her out a little bit because of how valuable she has been to these episodes so far as uh, narrator in the interview room. Kellyanne, who had been previously number one, moves to number two, still like where she's at, kind of floating under the radar, politically, alliance-wise, but possibly the top athletic competitor on the female side. And then Jemmy Ryzen, following the MVP performance all the way up to the third spot, feels like she's seasoned control. She's got an idea of where things in the house are socially, politically. She's starting to build that alliance before anyone else really is. And on the physical side, she seems ready to compete. She's been doing well so far. So I like her chances um, versus many of the other ladies in the house if she does end up in elimination. But I like to Jemmy and third. So to recap, power rankings, male side, Mark, Darrell, Alton, top three. Female side, Anissa, Kellyanne, Jemmy, top three. As for predictions, I think at some point, the obvious prediction to make is... Um, I don't think there's going to be any big twists or turns, but we mentioned earlier they haven't used the lifesaver shield. That's coming. I don't know if it'll be the next episode. Um, I think it'll be one of the true the true veterans of the this crowd of OGs that's going to be the one that uses it. So when it's, you know, it's been Kendall having it the one season doesn't maybe feel as much political power in the house like she can get away with doing this move that they don't know the exact consequences of, but if a Mark, if an Anissa, if a Darrell or a Derek, um, if one of the people that has the real longevity veteran, uh, you know, has that veteran status, has those strong ties in the house, one of those folks gets hold of that lifesaver. I think they're instantly going to use it because they know it would be good for the show entertainment-wise and because they would have the political cachet to be able to use it without much consequence regardless of what happens. So I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And the other thing which um, is just obviously going to have to happen at some point. We're three episodes in of what is supposedly a nine-episode season, and we've just done the same formula, one person eliminated at the end with, with 22 people to start. They only eliminate eight over the first eight episodes. That leaves us with a 14-person final, which I don't think is going to be the case. So um, I don't know whether it'll be a purge situation, whether it be double elimination situation, maybe we'll end up with some people quitting that we weren't, aren't expecting and that'll dwindle the numbers faster. But one way or the other, we're not going to continue to only lose one person per episode, or at least you wouldn't think so. I don't, again, I don't know, 14 people in a final, if they just stick with one an episode and then ninth episode is the final 14 people seems like a lot. I think that'd be by out Outside, for any individual game, that would certainly be the most people in a final ever. Um, there's been more, but only on seasons where there's been big teams that could add up to more than that. Like Cutthroat, I think, had... Uh, well, I guess they would have 11 people. It was 5, 4, and 2 people on the three teams. So even that, no. Um, so 14 might just be straight up the most people ever in a final, except for some of the early seasons. But I don't see that happening. I see it being 10 or less, which would mean... You know, at 10, that's four episodes where a second person needs to be going home. And that's episodes four, five, six, seven. So maybe not next episode, but by episode five, they're going to have to start getting either 
people are going to have to quit or go home for some reason, get injured, whatever, or they're going to have to start doing a purge here or there, doing a double elimination, something of that sort. So those are the two predictions, albeit ones based purely off of the knowledge that um, that we have about the show's runtime. Now, moving in, final award to give out is just an overall grade for the episode. Another A-. We have not even dipped below any A-rated grades for this season. It has been amazing so far. It has lived up to all the hype and more. It has been great. The daily challenge in this episode was fantastic. The, um, you know, cocktail hour, a little bit lacking, but there was still some sort of party, some sort of good vibe going on. We get great quotes throughout. We get strategy building up. We get a little romance kicking in with Nehemiah and Jemmy, and we get a very competitive and interesting, fun elimination. So A minus grade for the episode. That's all of our awards. We'll move to the final section We've got a history lesson before we get out of here for you. So let's go ahead and open up those textbooks, head to the library, and go through a little challenge history lesson. For our history lesson today, we are talking about eliminations. So on this episode of All Stars, Tech is thrown in, or I guess nominates himself, but would have probably been thrown in regardless, into elimination. And as he states in the show, it is the very first elimination he has ever done. Now, on our preview podcast of this season, we mentioned there's a few folks on All-Stars who have never been in an elimination before, even though they are OGs of the challenge. And that was because they were on it back in day in the days when there might not have been um, any eliminations to speak of, or maybe they'd always avoided it. But Historically, there's been 339 different players in challenge history. 339 people have had the absolute pleasure that I am dying for. MTV, if you're out there listening, I would love to be on the show. Um, 339 people have had the pleasure of competing on the challenge. Of those 339, 94 of them, and now that tech has been in one, 93 people have competed on the challenge without ever having competed in an elimination. Three of those people, as we said, are on All-Stars, Tech, Arissa, and Yes, and obviously now Tech has, so uh, we'll see if Arissa and Yes find themselves in an elimination and remove themselves from that group that was 94, now 93 out of 339 total people that have ever played have done so without facing an elimination. Of those 94 people, uh, seven of which have done so while being on three challenge seasons, 14 of those 94 have done so while being on two challenge seasons, and then the majority, 73 of them, have only been on one season of the challenge, which kind of makes a little bit more sense as to how they've avoided these eliminations. And most of those people do come from before the elimination was brought into the game. So the elimination round wasn't introduced on the challenge until season seven, the gauntlet. So we went six seasons without any sort of elimination, the way people were eliminated pre actual elimination competitions would be things, uh, sometimes just straight voting other times, like on battle of the sexes, where there would be a point system throughout the daily challenges. And it would just be whoever's in last on the point system goes home, but some other non, you know, one-on-one or two-on-two, whatever physical 
uh, elimination round that settled who continued on and who got voted off. So the elimination, as we know it today, was introduced on season seven, the gauntlet, and it has been on every single season since, except for one, which was season nine, Battle of the Sexes two, which they went back to that points accumulation format from the first Battle of the Sexes. So from season seven on, with one exception, the elimination has been a part of our challenge lives. There has been, in history, over 300 total elimination rounds in challenge history featuring 484 winning challenge players and 500 losing challenge players. Now, I don't quite have the exact number of total eliminations, but I do know 484 elimination wins have been accrued. 500 elimination losses have been accrued. Some of these have been one-on-one matchups. Some of them have been two-on-two matchups. Sometimes there's been a one-on-one-on-one where three people go in, only one stays. Occasionally, there has been two people go in instead of facing each other. They face mercenaries, which for statistical purposes, you should know. Uh, if you face a mercenary, I count it towards your elimination record. However, I, if you are the mercenary, I have not counted those towards anyone's elimination record, which would bring a um, uh, few people would add uh, nicely to the resume. CT comes to mind. Who's have? I think he's been a mercenary two times, maybe even a third time, but has won all of them, of course, because he's CT. Um, but sometimes the mercenaries don't always, you know, they're not incentivize the way the people actually on the season do. So I don't want to count elimination losses on a mercenary's record. So I'd also don't count the wins, but if you're facing one, I still count that. Um, but so again, 484 total elimination wins in the history across players, 500 elimination losses across players. And as for who has been in the most elimination rounds ever, most ever, regardless of wins, loss, just the most times in an elimination, It should surprise no one that Johnny Bananas tops that list. He has seen 29 eliminations in his career. He's 14 and 15 in them, so he's actually under 500 in the elimination career. Uh, Makes sense. He's well at the top. He's been on 20 seasons, which is by far the most seasons of anyone, so he's had the most opportunity, and he has also been a uh, benefactor, if you will, as far as accumulating elimination wins or losses by being on a couple seasons where he would go to a redemption house, most notably Battle of the X's 2, where he racked up three or four elimination wins while at the um while at the uh the redemption house where he got, you know, lost two eliminations that season in general, but also won three or four in between those two losses. So Johnny Bananas is the top uh the most times in an elimination at 29. Coming in tied for second is Anissa and Wes, who have both seen 23. Third place or fourth, however you want to look at it, is Cara Maria at 20. Nani comes in to round out the top five with 17 elimination appearances. And just because I like to put Anissa and Wes tied for second, we'll say fifth then is Leroy, mostly because I just wanted any chance you get to mention Leroy. You got to do it. Shout out the legend. Leroy, love that guy. He has seen 15. So Bananas, 29. Anissa, Wes, 23. Kara, 20. Nani, 17. Leroy, 15. Those are your six people who have seen the most elimination rounds in history. Now the tech has seen one as well. We're down to 93 people who have never seen one in their uh, challenge career. Arissa and yes, on this season could possibly remove themselves from that list. But that's a little elimination history for you. That's it for the lesson. And that is also it for this episode of the challenge historian all stars episode three, a great episode. 
We've covered it all. We've talked about everything we could possibly talk about. And now we sit and wait to see episode four come out. This season has been fantastic so far. We're excited to keep on rolling. And we don't want it to ever end. It's only nine episodes. So savor these while we have them. Don't let it go too fast. As always, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please rate, review, follow, Anything you can, five stars on Apple Podcasts, super duper helpful. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit that download, hit that subscribe. Those things help us a bunch. If you want more challenge content, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Challenge Historian for some daily challenge content, facts, stats, all kinds of stuff going on there. Also, if you want additional content outside of just this podcast, Go over to YouTube.com. Check us out there, Challenge Historian, where every Monday we'll be posting a new additional content video outside of the podcast world talking, uh, not episode recaps, but more about general historical topics. So think about these history lessons we've done, blown out a little bit bigger with graphics, pictures, videos, audio, the whole thing. So follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram for daily content and follow us here wherever you listen to your podcast so that you don't miss an episode of The Challenge Historian. Thank you for being here this week. I will talk to you next Thursday after episode four of The Challenge All-Stars. Have a good one. (laughs) 